and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. I'm joined as ever by Mr. Quentin Smith. Hello, I'm going to burp. Don't burp. And we've also got Philippa War. Hello. Excellent writer. And also on video person, as in seen in the, in the recent video on Shut Up and Sit Down, the Gen Con special, mm-hmm. which uh, you should go and watch, actually, because not now you're listening to this, but because it's not really got anything to do with board games. It's just quite a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, and, and yeah, go and watch that. But not now, because now it's time for the Dark Souls podcast. Is it time for video games, Matthew? I'm so excited for video games. It is time for video games, and I'm excited too. But I'm sad to say that I actually haven't had any time to play any. So, uh, what have you been playing, Pip? Well, uh, you you can choose. Uh, well, you can't choose what I've been playing, but you can choose what you want to hear about. <laughs> I've played a few sort of plant growing things, and I've uh, got stuck into. Sorry, that was me pressing my buzzer. Uh, can we hear about the plant growing? Yeah, things? I want to hear about the plants. I'm big into gardening, <laughs> gardening kind of games. I am as well, like Harvest Moon, Viva Pinata. It's all good, except for the bad ones. Something about watching something grow and then selling it. It's okay. beautiful. So you've picked the plant section yes. of this decision tree. Yep. Do you want the um, the Mendelian kind of genetic growing thing, or do you want the desktop succulent companion? I thing? suspect <laughs> I've been accompanied by the same succulent desktop companion. Is why well, I forget what it's called. It's Viridi. Called Viridi. Yeah, I downloaded this because I saw some people complaining about it, and weirdly, I thought that was a good idea to then go and was one of them me get it on Steam. <laughs> uh, was it you talking to? Uh, Alice, I forget. I killed my... Uh, well, mm, there was a murder. <laughs> so, yeah, Viridi is a uh, sort of plant pot simulator. Uh, you, yeah, I'm just a bit lost on the phrase succulent desktop um, companion. companion. I used I to have, I had one of them. It was a peach. <laughs> I ate it. I had I had one of those uh, sexy desktop girls in, Did the, you? in the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> Full of spyware. Mostly spyware. Yeah, <laughs> she was basically a spy, which makes her even sexier. It's the I realize now. a side thing, but I, I did actually, the one time I ever really, really broke a computer was uh, not with that, um, not with anything sexy, in fact. It was a game called Animals. Do you remember? Was it called Creatures? Oh, uh, Creatures. Yeah. Which with a was, Z, was it? Yeah. In so the that, same vein as cats and yeah, dogs. But it was before that. It wasn't that. Mm. Maybe it, but they were like little weird aliens and it Odd was balls. No, it oh. was um it was kind of one of the early <laughs> things where you looked after these little creatures and it wasn't a desktop thing, it was a full programme. Oh. Um but but we had to look after A full them. program. Full Not program. one of these half programs. What are you talking about? What did you do in creatures? <laughs> uh, you looked after these funny little things. I'll 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 Google it in a minute so I can see what it looks like because I don't remember well enough. But I, I just had to change some settings to get it running and I got it running, but then the next day our computer wouldn't boot and never booted again. <laughs> the, and the creatures got loose. This was back in the day of like, you got know, loose with a Z. Gremlins. Gremlins. No, it was like when you had to boot games from DOS, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just messed up my computer big time. Did you mess up your computer with the sexy girls? I don't know, man. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, yeah, Viridi, because it's out on Steam now. It's like, what, it's free? It's it? free. Yeah. And then there's like a little store inside where you can buy all your little... Seeds. Seedlings. I was I was totally nonsense. sold on this. I I saw that you could have a little desktop plant, kind of like Mountain, that bit of uh, yeah. freeware. But it's I was... basically a digital companion. That's what I would say. Sure. Like it's a yeah a thing that keeps you company and you interact with a little bit, but. Yeah. But I just was looking forward to you know checking in on it every day and watching it grow. But it seems like a lot of the growth is sort of preordained and. 
it's it, it was incredibly inflexible for something I was very excited about, and I didn't want to spend ninety nine pence on an imaginary seed. No, well, like you, it's between nine cents and thirty nine cents. Why is this stuck with me? <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> and you can also buy like a map which lets you get like an extra bowl, I think, so you can have another sort of crop of, of plants if you really want to. But like the whole thing, it was billed as this super relaxing experience, and like a, a I think they called it a haven. Hmm. And then you've got microtransactions, and automatically <laughs> that comes into conflict with my definition of havens. Yeah, just haven in for general. Your tiny unwanted coins. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I said this when I wrote about it on RPS, but it was like, you know, I, I would so much have preferred to just spend a couple of dollars on the game and then just never have to encounter payments. I just wanted to sort of do a little bit of gardening. Yeah. But, um, and. I, the whole thing is, you know, so they get a bit thirsty and then you spritz them with water. Yeah. And and there's a snail that goes around the edge of the you pot. You can water the snail as yeah, well. Yeah, that's funny. That's, it's funny once. Yeah, it was... All of the brief exploration I did was great once and had all the lasting power of, like, a piece of chewing gum and then it was gone. Yeah, and just... That's like, a great shame. It sings to the plants, but you don't get any control over that. I wanted just... You know, with the, those bits, I just... With Mountain, it didn't bother me because it felt like Mountain was just happily doing its own thing mm. and you were just there to observe, yeah. basically, if you wanted to. But with this, it feels like it is encouraging a degree of um, interactivity, but then it limits it so much and takes over. It does seem like, like, in in an age where, you know, we're, you know we've got video games that, that simulate entire cities or evolution or any number of you know, preposterously vast concepts. A, a plant that lives on your computer is not asking too much. It's, <laughs> Matt, here, why don't you Google Viridi and Viridi. we're going to get your live response as to whether you would have fallen into the These are the creatures, by the way. This oh, creatures. Oh, yeah. I, I remember, remember this. this. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of we're old. Viridi. Young people Viridi. remember this. Uh, yeah. Viridi. Uh, with an eye on the end. Oh, you just brought oh, pictures of a girl a, called Viridi. With an eye on the end. Yeah. yeah here okay, we go. I'm a bit worried about safe search here. No, it's an anime lady. It's an anime lady again. <laughs> Everything is an anime lady, apparently. Viridi on Steam. There you go. All we're producing now is a live recording of people who don't know how to use Google. So that's what oh, it okay. looks like. It's a bowl that floats in space and you can sort of, you know, uh, you start off with a set of plants that you choose and then, you know, you can either get like free plants each week you get one seedling and can add it doesn't or, it look you know, nice it looks stuff. I've got to say it looks gorgeous it does um, look lovely and they do you, they do grow I just there's it doesn't do anything it doesn't gel with me at all and um, you know I, when I say it doesn't do anything it's not like I'm expecting <laughs> it to do something it's, it's more that it doesn't do anything for me there's no like I was expecting it to be uh, I was expecting it to be like a relaxant and just to sort of, you know, if I was getting stressed by my inbox or getting stressed with, you know, just something that was happening um, in other aspects of my life, I could look over at my other monitor and just be like, oh, but I've got a nice, you know, I've got a little plant that's doing its own thing and yeah. I'm sort of, you know, tending it. Games as relaxation yeah. is a, a thing we haven't really seen enough of, I don't think. Um, hmm. You know, I get the feeling we think we want a garden. I don't know if we do i know one gardener in like one real life gardener and he is the biggest twat ever. <laughs> like the, the degree of dedication and and pain and anguish you have to go through to create it this. breaks you as a person well i've got a 100 percent 
case, right, that that is true. Why? Because I'm not looking to replicate the experience of gardening, because if I was, I would be good at gardening. But I'm not. I'm horrible at gardening and everything dies. Mm. But in this, only one thing died, so I'm counting that as a success. (laughs) It's quite beautiful just watching things grow. Like, I remember on things like, oh, what's that bloody game called from the guys? Creatures. No, no. (laughs) Uh, You know, just windowsill, I think, where it's like, that's not really about plants, but it's a game we have lots of quite organic things occasionally that are just things that behave in an organic way mm. and there's something mm. about a, a certain type of animation of things growing in an interesting way that can just be soothing just I mean pleasant. we are hardwired to enjoy the growth of things that we own to enjoy numbers going up at MMOs yeah but also I remember like everyone got obsessed remember Black and White Bizarre Peter Molyneux God yeah 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 I love that game back in the day but you know your creature would grow steadily and almost like you wouldn't notice it and then you'd see it standing next to a house and go it's bigger than a house now. Yeah. And did that happen? It's kind of amazing. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah, right. I think the, the two games I've enjoyed the most that have involved growing plants, I mean, Harvest Moon really was not about growing plants. It was about becoming a... Harvest Moon was a game about capitalism. Yeah. Throwing eggs at women. Becoming ruthlessly efficient at growing corn and then selling it for loads of money and not wasting a single second of it. And yet, wrapped up in this, with, with this wrapper of like, that you were... You know, you were the salt of the earth and you were saving this town. But you, rep- I realise now, you represented all the invading capitalist forces <laughs> that are the bad guys in Harvest Moon. Yeah, it's true. You were making, I was making so much money. But uh, the other thing, of course, was Viva Piñata. And I think that that's a, a kind of funny one in the fact that... Oh, I loved Viva um, Piñata. Viva Piñata is magical. And I <laughs> I think to, to be a member of Darth Souls, you have to apparently have enjoyed Viva Piñata. It's this... I mean, I've, I've probably said it many times, but there was just something you had to go through a wall with that game where um, you had to uh, kind of accept that you were out of control. Zen and the art of And when you did that, when you accepted that you didn't really have control over things and things were going to happen, that was just a part of it, um, you just sort of became quite zen about it. Yeah, and you had these moments where you were just growing these huge, beautiful plants. And I got so into growing the plants as well. Like, I, yeah. I wasn't expecting to, but the way that the first game works, and it's actually, to this day, remains one of the most genius things of the last generation, in my mind, is the fact that the game didn't have any aims. There was no goal. You just start playing the game, and the aim was just like, just make a nice garden, get some cool animals in it. Mm. Of course, the game did progress as you went through, but really the only thing guiding you was that you had this book full of stuff, and like things to tick off, basically, of being like, have you bred the fudge hocks? Have you, <laughs> have you made the biggest type of chilli that you can possibly grow? Have you made a really big, like, apple or whatever and then the way it worked was then as you ticked it off in the book you got achievements for it and you would finish the game when you got a thousand achievement points now what I find amazing about this was this was a game that came out really close to the start of the cycle of the Xbox 360 Mm -hmm. and it nailed that and Crackdown just nailed how to do achievements for a video game of making it so that they give you, like, they actually, these little things that are outside of the game, the metagame, allow you to just give the player direction of, of how how to progress. How to enjoy themselves. And how to enjoy themselves. And the fact that for, for so many years of playing and reviewing Xbox games when I worked at OXM, like, so few games. Like, I, I play, like, hardly any games that actually did use achievements in that way, despite the fact that it was like, Viva Pinata! It was like... <laughs> This is how you do it. I feel like the secret to all video games is contained within Minecraft, uh, in as much as Minecraft does not have a cheat. Oh, Christ, I guess it does now because it would have been out on back. Okay, when I was playing Minecraft back in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> the 1880s. The 1880s. It was, Which um, was just powered by bellows. Yes, when my servant boy was winding my computer as fast as he could. 
Um, the difference engine. The difference please. engine. Yes. <laughs> I think you had to have an army of. When I played it, you didn't have computers. We had an army of servants who would compact soil into brick squares. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was, uh, there were. Uh, yes, basically, it was dirty and noisy. But when I was playing it um, and writing about it for Rock Paper Shotgun, it was interesting because that game makes you want to do things despite none of it having any purpose. Like, yeah. I wanted to build a house on stilts, and I did that. I wanted to build a mine that went down to the bottom of the earth. I didn't do that. I was too lazy. Like, I wanted to see what was on that island. I built a boat. Like, what is it about Minecraft that means you just invent these goals for yourself? Because if we can figure that out, I swear all of modern game design will be advanced by, like, ten years. Yeah, it's true. It's why, true. Does, why does Gone Home need to have an end? Like, why, I mean, endings are always satisfying. I was talking to a friend about this actually who was trying to come up with um, how to structure a um, Minecraft-like game but get, uh, just as a thought puzzle. How do you do a Minecraft-like game with crafting and exploration? Potentially have a procedurally generated world and give it an ending that players find satisfying. Mm. How do you bake that into the design of the game? But Minecraft does, doesn't it? It's got that nether... Okay, that yeah, oh, right. I, yes, it does have a nether and it has a dragon that you fight. And, like, but that's something that only some people... I don't know. I never played Minecraft. I I really. You're totally correct. (laughs) For the purposes of this thought experiment, I don't mean a a silly, arbitrary, like video game style boss. I mean like something that is a narrative ending. I mean like a death, a birth, a marriage. What? hmm, I was was going to say. I was thinking while we were talking about this about Animal Crossing, and the Hmm. I guess the end point in quote marks is that you pay off the mortgage because that's the only thing that the game is sort of compelling you yeah. to do. Yeah, and Animal Crossing is a really good point for exactly what I'm discussing because Animal Crossing is clearly a game about moving to this town and living a life, but the one thing Nintendo haven't been able to solve is how to end it, which is why every game of Animal Crossing ends with you tragically abandoning all these neighbours, then maybe switching on your DS a year later and finding your plant, your town weeds. overgrown with weeds mm. and everyone going, oh, we haven't seen you in ages, but they're all the same age. I love how shocked they look. They go like, oh my God, it's you. <laughs> like, as if like you've been, like they thought you were dead. So yeah. this is what I'm saying. As, 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 you know, video game critics that are under microphone, can we figure out like a way to do that? How would Animal Crossing on Minecraft end in a way that ends your story? That isn't like killing a Drake because no fantasy book it's ever. It's difficult. Written it. I mean, it's hard to like. It has to be embedded in. I mean, the whole thing like with Viva Pinata was the idea was you were becoming a master gardener, and the way that you become a master gardener is by like practicing and finessing and becoming the best at absolutely everything. And I think but in some games even... that would be really tedious. But what was lovely about that was it's like when I started playing it, I started like growing plants a little bit, but I was like, I can't be bothered growing plants. It well, it didn't seem like a fun thing. It seemed like there's all this stuff with plants, but. I wasn't interested in it. It felt like it was just decoration. What were you interested in? I was interested in the animals and, and uh, getting more animals and breeding them and uh, giving them names and painting them colours and stuff when you could occasionally because you get rare ones. Fun times. Mm. But um, then when I actually started doing the vegetable stuff and growing these fruits <laughs> and veg, I got so into it. And it kind of ruined nature for me for um, quite a while because it was a hot Ruined summer. nature? Like realities nature. yeah that's what I mean it ruined the real world <laughs> okay because I just spent a whole summer on? with my curtains shut just like um, nurturing these incredible beautiful huge colourful and then you uh, finished playing the game and then I walked out into the garden it was like everything was just a bit kind of dark green and, and rubbish then, I remember this yeah. you got two hedgehogs and you put them in a box and you shook it really hard <laughs> and then I it got didn't sent work to a community kind of service thing for about <laughs> no I didn't hurt any hedgehogs um, but no I, I it's weird. I mean, I, that game ended in a fairly unsatisfactory way, but it didn't matter because it's that feeling of being like, well, I'm done now. Mm. Something um, that I was thinking was 
um, thinking about Animal Crossing and the fact that it's basically, it, it's kind of almost like a snow globe of stuff, you know, it's like a toy that you open up and play with every now and again that just happens to like interact with you. Yeah. I was thinking about Toy Story and maybe it would be nice if you could like hand it on to like yes! your kid no, see, that's a great idea. God, like, that's awesome. That would be how it finished. The you idea would just of... be like, here's my world. Now yeah, if, if when you buy Animal Crossing, you have, you know, you can create your own world. Or you, you can, can archive sort of... it and then like, well, if yeah, you, you had can a kid, inherit a world just be and like, then, and then the world already has like yeah. stuff built into it and something that would be really <laughs> but like cool. because of platforms and because of wanting you to buy the game again like mm. that stuff is you know because it used to be that you could give people your code and then they could come visit your world on like gamecube i think yeah yeah and like actually i've just realized yeah. that you're talking about having this sort of like open-ended game with lots of things you can do but then at some point when you're done just sort of wrapping it up with plot without intending to that's exactly what dragon's dogma did <laughs> <laughs> and I think we did do a podcast. We did. Where some we talked about. Well, I just said. I just did. I explain to you what happens. You did ask the cast and, and encourage people to chase down to chase down the actual ending if they're interested. But that's the sort of thing that, that ends up being this really weird sparse game where basically you just you do whatever you want. You can just you know at any point you can be like I'm bored of being a magician. I want to be a mad archer. And then you just go around killing things for a long time. And then when you kind of think like I've had enough of this, you just go and end the game. And it just has this incredible out of nowhere sequence of plot twist madness and just wraps itself up in a way which is just mind-blowingly strange. I mean, I get, so another JRPG that it sort of ties in with what we're talking about is um, uh, Persona 4, where, you know, it, which is a, a, amazing. If holy, Oh, God, if you like JRPGs and have played Persona, go do look at it. It's a year at school and you're wandering around making friendships, playing this, like, Harvest Moon-like life sim, except the friendships you make allow you to summon more powerful demons to fight evil. Uh, and that is so, that like, is, Buffy... Uh, yes, except <laughs> yes, except it's far more mercenary than Buffy because Buffy just needs friends and it's it's quite human. Um, whereas in Persona, it's like you you're hanging out with that basketball friend of yours and you're like, come on, you son of a bitch! I hung out with you three weeks straight, <laughs> and then a box goes up and you feel that your ability to create personas of the basketball. Isn't this back to like the Harvest Moon like method. Oh, completely, like completely. Yeah. But the thing that Persona- like sometimes you make friends with someone for ages, expecting the thing you'll get to be really good, and you get it, it's like. You're rubbish. You just drop that friend. Well, Harvest Moon is awful, and I've only now realised it. But the thing about Persona is that um, at the end of the year, because it is just a year of school life, and you go through summer, winter, and there's lo- lovely seasonal sort of uh, art in the game. But mm. when you finish it, I mean, this I don't think is a spoiler, but you know, you have to take the train home at the end of the game. And uh, the game, that game's ending after everything that's happened in this magical year is just all these people you've met saying goodbye to you. And that's the kind of thing that I imagine Animal Crossing or Harvest Moon would, or Minecraft might benefit from if we are looking to give them a narrative wrapper which is you have a limited time in this magical world what are you going to do here viva pinata similarly hey you've been given the keys to a magical wonderland you've got two years i'd like more i'd like a game to do something which things do not have the balls to do generally which is um it's kind of a mild spoiler for a a show from a long quite a while ago but it was um six feet under ended basically by when the last series happened, and I wonder... I mean, it was a fantastic ending. I cried like a baby. On the off chance but, um, anyone at home is watching Six Feet Under, Matt, you have 30 seconds to <laughs> to deliver. The yeah, ending. all that happens is it just basically has this ending where you just see what happens to all the other characters for the rest of their lives. So it just has yeah. this montage, um, but then it means you see like all of their lives and you kind of watch them all like dying one by one because they all just grow old and die. And mm. it's incredibly moving. But it, this thing that's over there, but basically it's that idea of like having the... The balls to just go this game this series is done now 
Mm. And, and to have that kind of finality of just then just doing everything and making it so that you can't do anything else it's done well that's uh, uh, I do want to, to ask you what the second gardening game you've been playing was Pip but before that I want to mention similarly Cowboy Bebop which was an award winning anime series yeah. of course uh, oh I can't say that that is a spoiler that is a spoiler but it uh, <laughs> yeah no okay it, it does something at the end which the creators did because they were well aware that anime series in Japan are under intense pressure to continue the series so if anime that you know has a particularly apocalyptic ending, it's because those creators don't want the characters to be reused and repurposed yeah. in series and series. But after my overwhelming <laughs> sidetrack into narrative, <laughs> what was the other gardening game you played, Pip? And was it any good? Was it better than Virulie? I think it's called Plant Tycoon. It's really old. It's like eight years old yeah. on PC, and they're even older on like Palm OS. <laughs> I would play. I would play. I would play the. Ha- I love tycoon-related management games. Yeah, well, essentially, so you've got like a, a greenhouse with loads of benches covered in plant pots, and what you're doing is you start off with some common seeds and then grow them. What's a common seed? So, um, just for like really basic plants, and then you get like rarer and What's rarer. What's a basic plant? <laughs> well, because this is about just modifying. Really this is like modifying plant um, DNA's game, right? Did you well, say? this is yeah, and so um, I can't remember the names of them. I think they're probably just like wallflowers and daisies, or the game equivalent of okay. them. Like, I really can't remember. But um, and then what you do is once they've flowered, you can actually cross pollinate them mm. to create different types of plant, and you know with different traits that they would take from both uh, of the parent plants. Okay, like height or color. So it's stuff like I think it's stuff like pattern and leaves. I think those are the two different sort of variables in this. Um, and you just sort of breed them again and again with different things. You can um, you can uh, buy seeds from the little in-game shop. It's not microtransactions. It's just stuff that you've earned in-game. Um, and eventually you'll need to sort of, you know, level up your tools so that you've got better quality soil for like the more picky sort of rarer exotic plants. Did you enjoy things it? Like that. Um, I really did actually, and it's but it's because it was that sort of that pleasure of uh, a, a time management sim where you're actually sort of ticking off objectives or you know things that you've set yourself, but they are also part of a list that you could in theory hundred percent mm. and like your overall aim is to breed the six rarest plants in the game um, from like a mythical isle and you know, whatever. <laughs> I do want to know that, that mythical isle. So exactly. Um, so I've, I was sort of, I was chipping away at that and it was open in a window while I was doing my work and I was sort of just going back to it every now and again. And that I found that a lot more therapeutic. Is it I never that, lost my temper with So is that. it the type of game that does kind of run in the background a bit and you occasionally kind of potter and click on it? It does. It plays while you're not there as well, which is annoying because I kept coming back to find dead plants because I would like uh, forget to mess with the time The ghost of Farmville is back again. It's that kind of thing. But it was never like a catastrophic problem it was just a bit sad and it meant that I stopped going back after a while because I was like yeah. oh everything's dead it was a bit like with Animal Crossing I was yeah, like I've got to do so much weeding God, I found that I'm with Animal Crossing back. actually is at first the whole weeds thing is like oh because you go every day and you take pride in the fact that you go mm. and you tear them out and you keep it all neat yeah. but then after you've not been there for a few weeks you just don't want to go back because you're like mm. oh I haven't it's like the shame of you know like you've, you've broken something so you hide it in a cupboard and you kind of don't want to open that cupboard again because you well the problem with the cupboards in Animal Crossing is then if you move them you've got cockroaches so you know <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's a big problem I got weird with Animal Crossing though I 100%ed it in, in some ways wow like it was it was that mindset of I need to 100% I need this game. all of the hats on what format it was on GameCube, and it got to the oh, point the where one. I... Uh, it was kind of 64? a shared 
game. And so my boyfriend at the time also had a house there and his house. What did you do to his house? And Did you his sell everything in his friend, house? I think, had a house. So I just I paid off all of their mortgages as well because oh, I couldn't bear to like have wow. things unfinished. Can't and bear so, to have them in debt. But like, so it was his game. It wasn't even my game, and yet there was a gold statue of me near the train station. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was like a, a silver statue of him, and then like a bronze statue of his. It was just like it was. I got really weird about it. Anyway, um, so I was really enjoying the the time management and the you know just the the oh I've got another new plant and oh I can level this thing up and stuff but it still wasn't quite what I was looking for and I think what I was looking for is more um a a a selection but not a selection box like just a okay so (laughs) I like Animal Crossing but it'd be better if it was a selection box of fine chocolates What I mean is, um, in playing both of those gardening games, what I was actually looking for was something that I could have in another monitor that would be soothing in some capacity, but without the focus that a time management game requires. And so I was thinking that actually what I was looking for was just a way to put in one window a lot of those techniques that people use to sort of soothe you or, you know, so having pink noise playing as the soundtrack to whatever it was Mm. and having, you know, a thing that grows just because that can be quite unexpected and, and, you know, you'd look over every now and again and progress would somehow have happened. And, you know, I was trying to work out what elements I was putting together in this thing. To sort of slide, like, like off topic slightly into kind of just the real world I find myself increasingly um, at the moment <laughs> like not? trying to work out ways to relax myself on mm. a day to day basis because I find that it's a it's a combination of, of the fact that I'm kind of I focus on things too much and I get trapped in caffeine after effects loops uh, <laughs> but I find increasingly just spending all of my time as a human on electronic devices um, it's there's something about them and something about the speed at which you can use them and sort of operate things in a way that is far faster than you can operate anything with the rest of your body normally, you know, does some weird stuff to your brain. I find the need to slow it down. But the interesting thing I find is the same thing of being like, but I still love using them. Mm. And so actually I'm constantly looking. I I can find things on my computer. I can find games to do all sorts of things. I can find games to make me emotional. I can find games to make me excited or to make me uh, kind of focus. But one of the things I'm always looking for is like ways I can use digital things to make me feel relaxed. You know, well, actually, my... maybe I just need to go outside and look at the sky for a bit. <laughs> you can do. My, my partner is really good at that because she actually uh, is able to do something which I can't, which is she will have a game that she was playing like five, six, seven years ago and will still play it. Mm. Like a, like a Symf- Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which was the probably the... Well, I think the best Castlevania was on PlayStation, but she still plays that and she just is able to drill it. And that's the game she goes back to because it's so familiar. It's almost like a, like a reflexive habit, but it's just like a, it's like a warm bath. Maybe I just need to get the GameCube out and play some more Fantasy Star Online. Well, maybe you don't. I can't do this stuff. For me, uh, like the only thing I have in terms of looking for games that soothe me, I am constantly on a quest to find good shit iPad management games. <laughs> like managing a farm, a restaurant, I'll do whatever. I'd say I love them as well, really but it's hard. Loved... Sorry. Oh no, I was going to say there is another, a third gardening game <laughs> called My Organic Garden. How many of these have you got? <laughs> so, just don't ask. Um, uh, and it was really great. It was like a Japanese indie game and uh, I picked it up and it's basically you, it, it's a clicker game. You click on things to water them. You click on them to harvest them. You know, it's it's that level of interaction and some people will hate it and 
completely bounce off it. I loved the highly stylized look of the plants. They were gorgeous. And I really loved like the interaction and also just the fact that it was slightly weird because what you're growing isn't fruit. You're growing human organs. I saw this on Steam and almost <laughs> bought it. Yeah, yeah, this is a super weird looking really anime game where you just have a garden but you're growing like You're lungs. growing hearts and you're growing kidneys but and then it, growing but from livers. What, from what I was looking at, it's like the, the woman you deliver these things to is Colons. Like perfectly civil about, oh, this is a marvellous heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God, no, I'll play this if it's good, yeah. I really, really liked her, actually. I really liked it. Like, there was a bit where it kind of lost its way but it was because I couldn't quite figure out how to grow the excellent version of like a heart <laughs> because you have to get into pruning <laughs> so wow right, yeah, that's anyway. dark. um but it was really really interesting and i just i i loved the style of it and i loved just that it was slightly odd without being self-consciously wacky yeah. and like oh man I, so I, this is how we chill out is it we take a knife to someone else's body organs <laughs> I, I will take my knife to other things because the, the, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the best iPad management oh, type yeah. Ooh, yeah, which is called Cook Serve Delicious <gasps> oh, they yes. have that on Steam as it's well on, it just came out on Steam it's also on iPad it's been out on Steam for a little while yeah yeah for sure uh, okay yeah you're right um, but also <laughs> they've announced Cook Serve Delicious 2 which will be out on Playstation which I could not be more excited about Trailer is amazing yeah it's great <laughs> cooks have delicious I must have talked Maybe you've told me about it but I'm not sure if we've done it on the podcast well I'll so. give give people the quick uh, heads up it's um, you run a restaurant in a place called Sherry Soda Towers it's fictional and the world within it is perfect because it's kind of just boring enough that you don't notice it and you zone out then you notice that super weird stuff is happening like for example one of the first things you might get on your menu is wine and people office workers will come in and order wine at like 8am <laughs> and then little things like it gets increasingly odd um, the food descriptions are all hilarious and then uh, you get there's a dating sim in it like and you don't know why the hell this is there but you, you get emails every day to your restaurant's inbox it's like hey you signed up to dating do you want to date this person you're like yeah <laughs> and because the actual game is just managing orders in a super high octane yeah, like very, like you just zone out. And you soup play is it. my nemesis. Soup is soup is a nightmare. Pasta is really tough as well. But you can. <laughs> that's that's not realistic. Soup is really easy. I made soup in ten minutes today. <laughs> there's there's no processor in the game. There's no food processor. Oh. You have to chop everything. Oh, that's less, that's less yeah. fun. Yeah. So here's the the way the dating works. It's like you're making your soup and then. Uh, like Matt, you're chopping four celery and you're trying to remember celery tomatoes. Why can't more games have magic Onions. mixes? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but then you get a text and it pops up where all the food orders pop up. And you ah. have to click on it. And then you get a text from, your, from, your, from whoever you're dating. And you have to pick the right response. Yeah. But then if the responses you have to choose from are yes and no, you have to read the entire message from them. <laughs> and uh, in order to get through the dating, you have to correctly respond to their texts for like a week running. What? Uh, Has it not got like... I mean that's not how people work in real life so I know text yeah, you, and if, you work, if you don't and respond in five minutes they're out of there they're just living I don't yes. want to go out with someone like that well <laughs> tell you what you won't have to for very long <laughs> uh, but no Cook Serve Delicious is just stunning it's like wonderful mini games really satisfying I might check that out I might check that out tonight oh, actually it's awesome you know I think so I'm going to check it out on tablet because I, play, I played it on PC and that used to actually stress me out because of like things like the soda machine where you would have to it's just it's so many what buttons. Was it? The, the soda machine is like you have the to decide size and ice. You have to do the size. You have to work out, yeah, which of the nozzles you need. You have to like, yeah, you have yeah. to ice. Also, or just not. just multi-touch yeah. and stuff on the iPad is uh, it's really nice. Yeah. I actually, to be honest, lots of people kind of roll their eyes at like you know iPad games, iPhone games, and that. But I found that now, largely, we are sort of getting into quite a sweet spot where there's not tons of 
great stuff. But there's a lot of good stuff now which has got past the verge of just being like free but then full of microtransactions. And now you've got oh, yeah. a lot of stuff which is just like either a couple of quid or it's like you play it and then it goes, do you want to give us a couple of quid and then you're done? Puzzlecraft is a good one. Puzzlecraft is, I think, free or extremely cheap and you never have to use the microtransactions to finish I really it. want to check out Loot and Legends, which is basically Card Hunter. Um, but it's kind of Card Hunter Two. It's sort of a sequel. Loot and Legends is that was that did, did that come out like a week ago? Yeah, I really want to check yeah, that out. Yeah, it's got like a kind of sci-fi glaze to it. Maybe I, maybe not. I don't know. I know it's a kind of sort of sequel to uh, Card Hunter. Okay, Card Hunter is really lovely. It's basically it was kind of a, a drafting card game mixed with a kind of traditional little board game thing. But um, it has a really kind of fun twist in the idea that actually all of the little people you're moving around are little like kind of like cardboard figurines and they like mm. with plastic bases and there's a meta plot of and there's like, a meta plot of you the people the guy, who play those yeah. characters like the bad guy is Gary and the, Gary is your friend who is the dungeon master yeah, yeah. And, and he loves the, the girl who delivers pizzas yeah so apparently Loot and Legends is basically they've kind of refined that a bit they've made it so that the, it's more about the equipment and less about like having to focus on the cards behind it and apparently it's quite funny in the plot like you have like the Gary kind of at one point like Sticks a, a piece of cardboard to like a chess piece and puts it on the board. Oh, it's really? Like, it's like kind of something you have to fight. <laughs> so that's something you have to fight. It's like he just made up a monster or something. Oh, and that's awesome. So I don't know. I thought I thought the Card Hunter at the time because it came out. I remember Card Hunter came out at the same time as Hearthstone, and I thought mm. Card Hunter was really strong and really interesting. It really um, suffered from coming out that time, yeah, didn't it? Like, and it was like I played Hearthstone and thought it's okay, but there's not a lot to it. Card Hunter felt really robust and really interesting, and I don't know how well it did. I hope it did okay. I think because a fair yeah. few of my friends were aware of it and had started playing it and were like really taken with it. Yeah. But then it it did feel like it just that was not the card game that everyone. I know, was right? Talking it's a real about shame. And I got of, I got really into playing know, it competitively yeah. as well. I was playing it every lunchtime. I had a really fun head to head mode. Um, I love the way that because the the equipment rather basically it was a, a deck building game, but your equipment had all of the cards in them. Mm. So it meant you had this thing of you might have an amazing sword that would have like a couple of really dangerous attacks in it. But it would also have one really bad card in it. Yeah, as soon as you do that, up your hand. you'd then like fall over or something. But it became this thing of when you were fighting people, if suddenly they just like tripped over or like did something bad or hurt themselves, you'd be like, well, stay the hell away from them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'd know that they had something good. Or, you know, conversely, somebody would just walk up to you and just one hit you and you go, whoa. But then you'd be safe in the knowledge that chances are in a few turns, something bad was going to happen to them out of the blue. So mm. it was Smart. Um, so I'm going to check out Loot Legends because uh, it's made by the same people and uh, they, they seem like really smart designers and I want to check out more of their stuff. I've, uh, I've been playing a, again, quickly, but uh, a good iPad game that came out recently called The Executive. It might just be called Executive. Uh, you ready for this, guys? You're, you run a mining company, but there are werewolves. So you have to kind of... <laughs> It's it's kind of a, a sort of what's the word? Hang on, it, hang on. You're running the mining company, and there are werewolves that work for you, or and there. I are don't know, Pips. There's a lot going on. Sometimes <laughs> you go into the sewers, and there are big frogs with swords. Uh, but the point is, you you run around these levels, and you kind of do um, Infinity Blade. Was that the name of the yeah. epic? Yeah. So you have a very simple swiping combat system. You have stunts that you do in a kind of endless runner style. It's kind of a, a big mix of all the good iPad genres. Um, one touch fighter and then also endless runner. And then when you come out of these ridiculous levels where you run around your office clearing out the werewolves, you've got some money to invest in the mining company. So maybe you buy a geologist. And then that's more money that's ticking up in the background while you're playing. This sounds like a dream that you had. <laughs> it's, it is the weirdest, most wonderful like something thing. something I would really love playing. No, it's great. It's, and, and it's all self-aware. Like, it's just the weirdest. Like, there's no explanation for any... The intro it doesn't cuts, need to be. No, the intro cutscene <laughs> is you in a really dark, dank office. And then a co-worker comes over and beats up the coke machine. 
Then he kill, he actually destroys the coke machine, then turns into a werewolf, and you fight him, and then you're away. Amazing. It's I, good. I've got a lot of stuff I want to check out on iPad, it seems like. Because it's weird, like, a lot of people kind of turn their nose up at that stuff, but I find actually, now that the touch controls, now that developers actually are using touch controls in a way which feels natural, yeah. and not just trying to do crazy, like, oh, it's like you've got twin sticks if you use the corners and all that nonsense. Mm. I find they're quite tactile to play, but I also find that they're great to play when you're absolutely fried, and I yeah. spend a lot of my life absolutely fried, because it's not that they're not mentally taxing, it's that you don't have to use your hands that much, either you can just... Just touch that. And you know, you always that. go on the record on this cast as saying that the 3DS is the best portable console. I disagree if you don't have a PC or you don't play games on the PC because the iPad now has FDL, it has XCOM, it yeah. has 80 days. Yeah, that's like, true. It has, I think, even more strong games. But I'd say an iPad is not as, I mean, if you've got a mini one maybe, but I don't think it's as as portable, you know. I mean, in my mind, a portable thing is something I can put in my pocket. So I don't like having a big bulge in my pocket. I much prefer oh, having nothing at all. Thank God. I, I, I thought we had to stop the podcast there. I had my hand <laughs> over the emergency button. It was good to go. <laughs> All right, well, I reckon we'll jump... What we're going to do now is we'll jump into some questions a bit earlier than usual because you two have both played um, Everybody's uh, Fucked Off to the Rapture. Everyone's yeah. gone to the ending. Everyone's gone to the ending. Except um, And I haven't yeah. played it at all, so um, I, I want the, you guys to be able to talk about that, but I don't want to hear anything about it because I am actually going to check it out. So we'll do some questions, and then I will just leave. Shall we call <laughs> that bit Everyone's Gone to the Rapture except Matt, who's gone to the kitchen? Yeah, something. everybody's gone... Matt's we'll gone to the kitchen. We'll do a jingle <laughs> when the time is right. Fantastic. Um, but before that, actually, you might as well talk about it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's not really an elephant in the room, but let's pretend it is. Uh, cool Ghosts Woo! is a new thing. We've teased this for a couple of weeks, me and Gwyns. You might notice that A, Dark Souls. <laughs> I regret that Yelp so much already. It's fine. Please, you can, go You can't on. take it back. Uh, we've teased it for a few weeks. You might notice that Dark Souls is now a weekly podcast properly, something which uh, I never committed to in the first place, but now we're trying to do <laughs> properly. So it will be weekly, and it will always be me and Quinns and guests. And yeah, we're quite excited about that. But it's part of a brand new, bigger thing called Cool Ghosts. Yes, if you listen to this podcast and you like Matt My Video stuff at all, know now that we are united on a very cool uh, YouTube-related initiative. We're just going to make uh, funny or interesting uh, videos about video games all powered by Patreon. It's kind of like a v- sort of Voltron-like adaptation of Matt's YouTube uh, Patreon in the past now there's two of us absolutely and Darth Souls is a part of that so if you enjoy Darth Souls and you've not watched our video stuff you should go and check out some of the stuff on Cool Ghosts because it's probably right up your street and if not if you just really enjoy Darth Souls then you might consider just chucking in a few quid to the Patreon because you're it's all part of the same big old house because <laughs> you should at least fund Matt cooking Matt's cooking because every time we do Darth Souls we come here and Matt cooks a thing I do it's mm. the way of getting people to come around to my house we had soup which if cooks served delicious has taught me anything was quite the quite the effort <laughs> <laughs> incredibly healthy soup and lots of turmeric in it but yeah cool goes check it out you can check it out at coolghost.net because we actually have a website where you can post comments about stuff and actually if you're interested in the podcast I will put up the video version of the YouTube one every week and there'll be comments about that there so people can talk about the episodes in all in one place so that's coolghost.net and obviously yeah patreon.com forward slash coolghosts if you want to see more even the video we made explaining what it is is actually probably quite funny yeah actually uh, if you don't yet feel convinced to give us money go to patreon.com forward slash coolghosts says that URL again and then look at me and Matt in the rain for ages yeah and actually also you doing a fantastic video about uh, satellite rain which is a kind of syndicate style oh, yeah, thing I've never talked about that we'll get you to talk about that next week oh um, yeah that's fine nicely and I put up a video of The Witcher 3, which is mostly me walking around in a silver wig, looking like a tit, with lots of amazing special effects. I've seen bits and of that one, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> there's a part of that video 
There's a part of that video, which you haven't seen, Pip, because oh. it's not, you haven't seen that bit yet, um, <laughs> is, uh, yeah, one of the bits of that video, my girlfriend came home oh, at God. that exact moment. I won't tell you which part of the video it is, but oh, what, no. I will, what I will say is it was the worst possible time and my girlfriend came home and me and Quentin <laughs> both went, oh God. <laughs> so uh, that's just a little tidbit of info for you. If you've already seen the video, then you'll probably be laughing and knowing exactly when that was. But, this is uh, some good teasing. This is some good, good it's, promo. It's really something. I think it's people are going to be taken aback. Um, it's probably not safe things. to watch at work. Anyway. Richin promo team. Protein. Mm. No. Promo team. <laughs> good Lord. No, it was a reach. Go to hell for Throw me a question, Matthew. All right, William Cottingham. Hey, William. Uh, asked. Actually, this is kind of interesting because we have actually just talked about this for the whole podcast, but it'd be nice to give someone a brief recommendation on this basis. <laughs> summary. Recommendations for short but sweet games to dip in and out of when time is at a premium but you want to relax a bit. Isn't uh, that funny? I would... <laughs> I, we haven't actually mentioned 80 Days, which is always, I will I point to. Oh, it's beautiful. Days. Is it yeah. Samogo who make the iPad games like Device 6? Uh, yes. Uh, Device, Device 6, 6 is and amazing. Sailor's Dream? Sailor's Dream. I didn't get on with Sailor's Dream particularly. Not me either. Then also, uh, Night in the Woods, is it? No, uh, not Night in the Woods, that's the movie. That's I've heard so much about Device 6. Them. I need to check that out as well. It's interesting. It's soothing. Samogo I got soothing. the soundtrack, I was so into it. But wait, guys, let's assume he doesn't have an iPad. Okay. I think it's pretty difficult to to relax on a console in general. I think it is. I think it's something about the, the nature of the setup. It's got these buttons. They feel like they have to oh, use them. I said this last week or the week before. City Skylines is the most relaxing thing. Yeah, fair enough. I know it's a game that everyone's played, but I think Monument Valley is really, really nice for that. It's especially for short bursts because you can complete a level in like two or three minutes if you if you're not you know if you're good at puzzles. I said City Skylines and Pip pulled a face like. Oh no! I was just thinking um, also Alphabet. Oh yeah, I'll but then I wasn't sure whether that was you know for for short spaces of time because I just play it. For yeah, ages. I immediately regretted saying the City Skyline thing because you can't <laughs> play five minutes of that game. You have to play five hours. We've 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 shut the bed on this question, Matt. Give us another one. Okay, uh, <laughs> that question has been abandoned. <laughs> you have lost. It started off strong. You've Maybe lost go ten for points. Like, the first recommendation or something. You can still get enough points for the silver chase car chase bonus round, or you might win. A Fiat Punter. Come on, Pip. <laughs> get him off it. I, I have no other way to get home tonight. <laughs> Bryce Walton asks, do you think a developer or indie studio could find success on Patreon? Um, I've been they have, haven't they? Have, yeah, I'm sure yeah, they I was have. Say, have they, <laughs> so, have they not tried? It strikes me that, that that would not be a scenario that hadn't been tried. I mean, I know a number of smaller uh, independent developers do like everything I make like um, uh, Avery uh, McDowell no uh, game designer a uh, friend of mine uh, makes okay money on Patreon I think but then also big kickstarters what, what's this it's guy what's his name it's kind of the same what's thing what's I mean I guess yeah if you're a single person you're making something then I guess sort of but I mean really I in a way it that depends what you would offer backers in that scenario yeah. like whether it would be devlogs or whether it would be actual snippets of I think if you're the sort of person where you make lots of small little projects yeah. and you're constantly just making little experimental things yeah, then it's perfect for, for sure. that but really like the best example of this sort of thing is uh, Nuclear Throne and the fact that like Nuclear Throne is not on Patreon but it's basically had this incredibly community led thing of people getting in early and playing it very gradually and having this the same level of back and forth that you'd expect with a kind of crowdfunding monthly thing they haven't mm. been paid monthly but they've been doing so many updates and having so much 
interaction with the community that they may they may as well have done it's basically that people pay once to become a part of that community yeah it's the same with a lot of games I've been enjoying Darkest Dungeon Invisible Ink Satellite Rain all of these uh, sort of like Kickstarter related or early access games that then just although you were saying the other day that's crazy about the fact that Darkest Dungeon they've made some major oh, changes yeah this was interesting uh, so Darkest Dungeon uh, added a couple of things in the latest patch uh, Corpse and Hound update um, which includes now when monsters die they leave corpses which means you can no longer shuffle the monsters party order by like Killing all the things at the front to the range units now in front. Um, that will make a lot more sense if you played Darkest Dungeon. But yeah. now there are corpses, uh, things are more rigid, and people, as I understand it, developed play styles or saw the game as a certain thing. Yeah. And this so radically changes the strategy that players just revolted because I guess they were emotionally invested in this earlier version of the game. So uh, the developers created an option to toggle this stuff off, which is, the, I think, the first time that Kickstarter or backer pressure of a project has actually warped the direction. It's especially weird in Darkest Dungeon as well because the developers create the most insanely detailed patch notes you've ever seen in terms of why they do everything. everything. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that they've had to... The thing is, you've got to trust designers to do what they do and for people to go, oh, we don't like this. It's like, yeah, but it's it's not a finished game. So you, when somebody makes a change like that, you have to trust that when they've finished everything else, it will work and make sense. And if they've now got the option to toggle it, I kind of hope that that's maybe a soft thing. And then they'll, you kind of wonder that then it's almost that thing of um, they've gone off onto like it's created a branch, you know, they've created a new branch of the game. Yeah. And it's like, well, what, are, what are they working on? Now? I mean, Which you one to, are they going to focus it, it's on? It's not tenable as well, because if they create this branch whereby, okay, you can toggle off corpses, but the balancing that they're going to be doing until that game comes out and all the additions is going to be relating to the corpse filled. Yeah shit strewn version but of then the game. that's the thing are people going to continue to go we'll do the balancing for this one well, as well they can't. Like, I mean, they, of course they can't but, but it's, it's certainly an interesting uh, that I, that cannot have been a good day in that dev studio no no it really can't but I think it's a fascinating thing because that's always one of the big questions that I have uh, people ask me about like you know things like Patreon like oh what do you think about the fact that people like all of these things like all these crowdfunding things are being like what, what do you do when your audience say they want something different and the answer always has to be well, you have to ignore them. <laughs> like, mm. But then, obviously, it's difficult um, when you've got especially a big audience like that. Kind of crazy. I hope it pans out all right because I was really excited about that game, but I don't want it to become... It'll be sort fine. Of, it'll be I'm fine. sure it'll be fine. Those are talented developers doing very well for themselves. Yeah, no, they'll be good. They'll be good. Um, Andrew Haining asks, why does Kojima seem to get... This is a bit of a contentious question, but I'm not sure... You know, I'll ask the question. Here we go. Basically. I don't know because, I mean, I'm not... You know, I'm not... I haven't picked this one out because I necessarily 100% agree with the sentiment, but here we go. Does this question have the word arsehole in it no it doesn't uh, arsehole is a lot less harsh in a way uh, why does Kojima seem to get a pass from most press for being a ra- raging misogynist they ask Ooh. I don't think raging misogynist is probably a fair term I but- mean misogynist oh god again minefield territory but misogynist implies hating women whereas Kojima's staggering childlike cluelessness of yeah. what women are I mean He's just constantly posting pictures and going boobs, lol. It's like he's not. Oh, it's I think I think raging misogynist. I think a bit misogynistic is probably fairer than raging. raging hey, does. Tell you what though, Matt. Look, there's there's a woman right yeah. here. She can answer for all of womankind. <laughs> See, this is the part where I'm not only not going to do that. I'm going to be even worse than useless because essentially, I have managed to not. Know what this is about. <laughs> um, okay. Quite I think frankly, it's just, it's kind yeah. of a consistent thing in the industry and the fact that everyone goes, oh, he's an auteur, he's a genius. And then uh, you're on Twitter and he's like, 
poking like some a mouse mat that has like boobs at the bottom of it and going lol boobs mm. and you're like that would kind that's kind of a bit weird all right fine um but then he the whole thing with the fact there's a character in uh, the phantom pain called quiet who's a sniper who's not really wearing many clothes and it was when it first came out it was like really mm. and then they started oh, you're, ju- you're you're forgetting the, the most key thing which was in oh god was it peace walker i think there was oh god yeah peace walker had a girl with a grenade in her fanny yeah, no, that wasn't Peace Walker. That was um, what's it called? That was um, MGS colon. What's it called? No, really? it was um, the recent thing. The funny thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was in the the mini game that came out before this. Oh, what's the blue name? Oh, Grand Zeroes. Yes, yes. it's in Grand Zeroes. The uh, the Peace Walker had a bit where you had to spy on a, a young girl in a bikini, and she was like thirteen or something as well. So there's lots of weird shit in those games. I mean, I... see, this is the thing. It's a series that I that has never interested me, and like I because of the buzz that's around. The upcoming game, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll give the series a go. But that's why I'm so clueless on this front, because it's just, it's not a bit of gaming, or he's not a creator. No, totally. I've taken sort of Totally, and it seems in. that thing is that it's because it's become a game, a series which is so enveloped in very complex and thick plot, it seems that really the only people who are still invested in it are people who've managed to keep up with that quite religiously, and they're probably... Maybe a bit, a bit more willing to forgive. I mean, I would say that yeah, that's part. That's definitely a. There's a schism in the industry. If you care deeply about Kojima's games and you're a fan, you're likely to look past the misogyny. And if you're not a fan of MGS, you're not going to be clued up on why it's sexist. It's really not even a question about Kojima. It's, it's the question may as well be why is it that auteurs get a free pass for being like weird and a bit creepy? And it's like it happens consistently in almost every medium. Yeah. Sometimes to the point of like you know, look in the world of film, you've got people like Woody Allen, Roman Polanski, like some seriously shady stuff going on, but people just ignore it because they're auteurs. So it's more a question about what the fuck is auteurs about? Well, I mean, what, what you're talking there, what you're describing there is like these people generate money and that causes an amount of blindsidedness. It's complicated, yeah. But um, lots of people have been talking about this stuff. There are quite a few questions. I won't go into any of them, all of them, but there's lots of stuff at the moment and people are being talking about this stuff and talking about uh, Konami being like really I mean Konami does sound like the world and did we did we discuss this the no no oh man what people should know is that there was a stunning oh god I forget the Japanese newspaper that did reveal the um, you catch this but the uh, working conditions in Konami they did a big expose and it included things like um, better or worse than Amazon according uh, to worse that. <laughs> uh, certainly I would rather work for Amazon than so Amazon don't uh, if they dislike the work you do or you do unpolitical things, is that a word? Unpolitical? Uh, things, things that aren't in like impolitic? step. Impolitic uh, things for Konami. Uh, you can get demoted to potentially work in their factory from whatever creative thing you were doing. If you take a long lunch, they might announce your name over the AP system to the entire office. Um, preposterous, like, and on top of all the, the claims of overtime and everything. It sounds like a, it sounds like working for a Disney villain, uh, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, so this is a, an interesting question, and lots of people have been saying, like, ah, oh, you know, is it... So I find it interesting that there's there's a bunch of questions about, um, alongside all the excitement for this game, I think it's really interesting that we have all of these these other questions coming up. Like, you have some people being like, is it kind of... Is it is it moral for me to be buying a game made by an auteur who's have, that keeps putting this really, really questionable stuff in games? And also people going, is it moral for me to be buying a game from a company which has just been exposed as behaving in a way which is arguably extremely unethical and the answer is I don't know well, it's, that's for you to decide, <laughs> for you to decide. certainly it would make sense for you to not buy from you know companies with unethical business it's practices a, that's pretty sad. yeah but then it's, it's a difficult thing with the world and the fact that if you want to get down that path then you have to very carefully think about your entire life because I mean, Amazon <laughs> crazy yeah but they do get things to you in boxes very quickly big boxes though 
to be, I think. So yeah, that's that's kind of the long and short on that one. It's you could talk about it for a long time, but it's not. It all comes down to ah, uh, there was a there was a solid snake related big cardboard box joke there. Ah, there we just, was. We sailed past it. We just sailed past it. It's probably for the best. Mm. I think it's not a time for jokes. Everything's gone dark. <laughs> um, Flatfoot Fox asks, what transportation methods from a video game do you wish were commonplace in real life? Ooh, obvious answer, portal guns, but I think we can do better than that. I have always been very fond of the ocarina as a transportation device. <laughs> of just being able to play a song about owls or something and then just getting whisked away by a bunch of feathers. Oh, some game had I love a that. really good motorbike and it's killing me trying to remember what it is. Uh, you guys talk while I... What, what, what sort of motorbike? I'm I don't saying. know, a cool one. One you could drive from A to B. <laughs> I guess that describes most motorbikes. <laughs> sounds like a motorbike. Possibly all of them. Oh, oh is it, it wasn't the Dreamcast game, was it? No, I don't know. Because there was that Dreamcast game where you were a hitman, or like a, a, a kind of dog bounty under star guy who had a motorbike. God I never played it, but apparently it was amazing. Oh, God damn it, God damn it, God damn it. you, Pip? I don't know, because the thing that I really enjoy, like, I really enjoy driving in GTA, but cars are a, a, a commonplace real so thing cars. that exists in real life. <laughs> yeah, but you I can't... wish I could still do a lot more driving than I do, because obviously I live in London and, and don't have the the financial, or it's just, it's stupid it's not, to yeah. have a car. I'm going to get but a nosebleed. But when I go home, I, You're thinking yeah, too much. I, 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 get, I, to, I sorry. get to drive around, like little country roads, listening to the radio on my own, it's I miss nice. my car, my real life car. But tragically, I cannot remember any of the cars that I've missed in any video games, and I've loved so many of them. I had a car that I loved so much in GTA Five. It was this beautiful blue. I just, I'm closing my eyes to picture <laughs> it right now. It's the header image on my Twitter. Really? <laughs> yeah, seriously. What's your Twitter for people at home to go and check oh, out? It's at Philippa War. One L, two P's, two R's. Wow. <laughs> um, but it's um, it's just this gorgeous thing, and I was playing multiplayer, and my friends thought it would be really funny to bully me by running me off the road and then shooting rocket launchers really? and flares at my car. Does that permanently destroy it, then? It exploded That is a nice car, so I just car. I I'd look it up. Yeah, it exploded my car, and then at that point, my lovely friends discovered that I hadn't been able to afford insurance when I'd got it. Oh. So it was gone forever. And it was one of the rarer ones that spawn in the really? game, I think. And so we spent the next two hours with them feeling terrible and trying to find me a car. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, like, waiting in all of the spawn points to try and, like, steal it from someone else. I think the point at which I sort of fell out of love with GTA V, actually, because I was kind of, ena- I was obviously, as a lot of people were, enamoured by the world. Mm. Um, was actually to do with cars it was to do with the fact that I parked a car in the gar- in my garage in the game and then it had sort of glitched and then my, a different car was there instead oh. of my car Ooh. and I was like this isn't my car yeah and I was just so annoyed because I really loved that car that I'd stolen obviously I stolen, get like so. that now because like I've got a replacement and it's the same colour because I've sprayed it the same colour it's not the same it's not my car but I was driving really <laughs> carefully as well I was trying to keep look after it I think it's fair though because you're like oh it's boring to say car but actually what you mean is video game car because yeah. the thing is the way you can drive cars in video games you could never drive a car like that in the real world you can't you can't choose whether or not you care about red lights no there <laughs> like, is that it's like purely optional do well, I want to do you not no. like 
play GTA where you actually just abide by all of the traffic Yeah, I do rules that for exactly and, five yeah. minutes every time I buy a new GTA game and then lose the something happens that makes me lose a match. I think it's because the speed that it lets you drive at is faster than the other cars that are actually you know, like it doesn't let you easily take account of the speed limit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's slow. And to get so around. it feels frustrating. It's fun than... up until the point that you accidentally crash into the other car when you're supposed to be stopping it. Yeah, exactly. Line. And then it's illusion is broken. Yeah, I'm going. I'm driving through. I've come up with one of the hundreds of vehicles I must have loved, and this is going to cause about seven people out there to go yes, and then put their arms up in the air and crash their car because they're listening to this in a commute. It's the Warhawk from Warhawk. Uh, PS3 uh, download only. Secret best game on the PS3. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. It's stunningly good, but the Warhawks themselves were just like little uh, vertical takeoff things that you could get around incredibly quickly at. And they were just so situational, so beautiful. Interesting. That was was like, that felt like an interesting of a cue to make me stop talking about Warhawks from (laughs) the download only game Warhawk. Uh, They're interesting because um, they, you have to look, you look at the sky and if it's filled with enemy Warhawks, then it's it's just going to be a shit show. It's like traffic. You're not going to get anywhere in the Warhawk. But if there are no Warhawks, you just take off and you're like, you just rule the sky. Mm. And it's a wonderful moment of you just gauge. It's like you look at your window, you see how much traffic there is, and you go, "I'll take the Warhawk." <laughs> and then you bomb people. Although, finally, actually, I've always had a, a very big fondness for the the ship from uh, Skies of Arcadia. I think that that game, the pirate ship. Yeah, just that game. Like I never felt so like I don't know. That, that game really did some magical stuff. I think the fact that you use the the, the boat for ships as well and. No, that's not a sentence. A boat. You use the boat, the flying boat yes. ship thing, for like boss fights as well, and like fighting other ships. Uh-huh. And those fights were really hard. And it meant that you just had this sort of pride in it, in the way that because you're always the underdog and you're always taking on these huge things, like the equivalent of like having to take on like a mega weapon from Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, like, like but, uh, but just halfway through the game, like constantly just being like, no, I fight this massive thing, and it just keeps killing you in one hit. And you sounds know, great. It, it was really horribly hard, but um, yeah, I just. I fell in love with that ship. It was like my home. Ships, homes, they're good. Games yeah, I'm trying well. to work out whether I would have loved or hated the monkey balls from Monkey Ball in real life. It was basically zorbing, wasn't it's it? Hell. Zorbing with it flying. It does sound like Zorbing, hell. but with like an zorbing inch of plastic around you. and <laughs> being a monkey. We can make you a so I'm not- large <laughs> Shall we re? Shall we? Shall we find a park with a hill and just play monkey ball in real life? This is how we die, Pip. <laughs> That's probably how Pip dies. And you- <laughs> <laughs> how Pip dies and we watch, <laughs> and then upload it as part of Cool Ghost. I, think, oh, I should man. be your first Cool Ghost. You could be our first viral. <laughs> wow! That's how we get the big time, killing people. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how we're doing for time. Let's see how we're doing for time. Yeah, kind of running out of time. Should we have one more question? Or? One more question, yeah, and then we'll sure. do... Everyone's gone to the rapture except Matt, who's gone to the kitchen. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, I'll do this really one quickly. And, uh, Matthew Arnott, because he was he was asking me today, he was like, when can I ask questions for Dark Souls? And I was like, now. And so he did it. Um, <laughs> uh, so That's Lee's, quite efficient as a system. He actually just timed it really well. I was just about to ask for questions. And I was like, right. So I thought then it would be rude not to answer his question <laughs> after we had that little moment on the on Twitter. <laughs> Um, so it's how well do you think you'll retain what you've learned from tutorials for Game Maker etc he's also about how he's been using Unity and he's been trying to get into it had quite a lot of questions people talking about this sort of thing lots of people trying to have a little play with code and he was saying that he's just found that it mostly seems to be just copy and pasting things and not really as much learning um, which I think yeah there's, there's some truth to that because everyone I've talked to who is actually working on dev at all says yeah that's kind of the majority of what 
code is. It's just copying and pasting other people's things for a little while. But then the weird thing is you copy and paste something, you don't understand it. That kind of vaguely terrifies you because you just leave this thing sitting there like an alien contraption in the middle of your car. Like a weird sort of egg that might hatch. Yeah, and the egg is somehow making your car fly, but you don't know how. <laughs> but you're worried that it might hatch. It's basically building a car out of nothing but flux capacitors. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Coding is Numenera. Yes. <laughs> but you do have this magic moment where like you just completely, it's like an alien language, and then you just leave it there for a while, but then you come back like a week later having learned some new stuff, and you look at it and you kind of like, you can sort of start decoding it. You're like, actually... I kind of understand this. And that means you can actually, like, change it at all. You can, you know, you can actually do something to make it do something different. Because at first you're like, well, this is good. But it literally just does that. Like, And it is very much, like, it feels like you're researching technology. It's kind of an interesting thing. Like, that's the only thing I can compare it to is in, like, XCOM or something. Of like, you've got this thing. It's amazing. But we don't understand it at all. Exactly. Instead of, you know, like, uh, alien engine VTOL technology, it's like Matt can make his crabs heads attached yeah, to the legs precisely right precisely um, but no I am I'm learning a lot more I've actually got a piece now I've, the tutorial's got me going but now I'm like I'm all out in the into ether, the wild into the wild yeah Code. are there any videos that you found helpful because I know that um, Tom Francis yeah. has his game maker Tom Francis's stuff series. is the, the game maker series I used to begin with um, I found it increasingly at first I, I did it like almost step by step like GCC bite size of being like now do this because I was really basic but then I kept having ideas and I kept going off on tangents and now I got to about like episode 10 I think but now I go back occasionally and he does have some really useful tips mm. um, but I know a lot of the stuff he's talking about basically now. you've surpassed him yeah basically, basically I mean, you're, you're just you know he, yeah. he's a programmer but you're like a programmer yeah the games you make just seem really quite basic <laughs> now by, yeah. uh, by comparison obviously although supposedly you made Gunpoint from like uh, you know the, the fundamental power remapping in Gunpoint came from some quirk of dev where he was like oh hey this is actually fun it wasn't meant to be in the game no and you get a lot of that like a lot of time you kind of have weird things happen you kind of go should I keep this or like sometimes you have a really big problem and you just think is it going to be easier just to make this a part of the thing? Independent game development, <laughs> therefore. Yeah. Honestly, like, one of the things I have noticed is I've been thinking about, um, like... Crabs. Lots of t- things over the years where there have been, like, slight things, like little quirks in how the game works in terms of shooting, right? In terms of, like, I've had games where I'm like, oh, if you run and shoot, it does this weird thing. It does something slightly different if you're, like, moving when you shoot. And I'd use that in games. I'd had a thing where I'm like, oh, cool. And I'd used it to my advantage. And I'd always assume that it'd be, like, some little quirky thing that the game devs have put in as, like, a kind of bonus little thing to find out. Whereas now I realise that probably it's just a weird side effect of some code. You have reminded me of a weird bit of trivia I got from a friend of mine who plays, who used to play Halo competitively and that... If you crouch and face the floor, you basically tuck your head between your legs, which makes you unheadshottable. So if you do that and run backwards, you're safe. Yeah, you just find these, you find these really weird little things that aren't supposed to be there. You're presenting your arse at Yes, people. running backwards, like a little army of arses running towards you. Uh, that's, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Uh, but no, I, I am actually learning now. I feel like if you do stick with it, it's like any kind of learning. If you want to learn something, you have to do it three times. And then once you do it three times, you kind of know it. Um, but That's it's, how it worked with me with murder. Yeah. First two, really awkward. Third. Couldn't remember. You had the knife the wrong way around. Oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I might actually make a video about it at some point. Some sort of like kind of condensed thing of, of, of what I've learned in my first few months. Or so something. Tom Francis' videos are how to how to learn to make a yeah, game. Yeah, Tom Francis' games are actually like they teach you how to code. Then you could experience. do a video of how to how to learn how to make it <laughs> yeah maybe I mean I probably wouldn't need I wouldn't do tutorials because they're already kind of well covered but I might do something funny about my first experiences or something with it but sure it is kind of a bit it's a weird 
weird world, but I'm getting I'm getting all right at it. It's just I think you kind of hit points where you have to have a certain kind of persistence. There was a day I spent my last Sunday actually. My my fun thing to do on the Sunday when I had some time off was just to sit for eight hours coding, and I spent six hours going up against the exact same error every time I press play. It had the exact same error, and I spent six hours just changing code, trying to make that error not appear, because I didn't actually understand what the error meant. <laughs> and I googled it, and I didn't really understand it, because I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was playing with this alien contraptions that I didn't really get. No, that definitely sounds like my hell. But by the end of the eight hours, I get it now. I can do it. But uh, yeah, it's sort of hell, but it's... <laughs> But it's I don't know. it's fun. I just I've never I've always had like little ideas for things that I want to do, but they never feel big enough for the absolute sheer amount of time it would take to learn how to get anything approaching that. You'd be amazed. Like so, a lot of a lot of the really basic stuff is so easy. Like Yeah, I've just got like I've got tiny ideas that rely on stupidly complicated things, it seems. The weird thing is though, the things you think are really, really simple to code end up being hell and the mm. things that you imagine will be really complicated are really easy so. there's one that involves understanding whether somebody was being positive or negative in an internet comment that's mm. pretty that's, that's pretty, pretty quite ones. easy yeah, yeah. That's I don't know because it like but as soon as you I get into actually Wait, understanding serious? the like the um, the how people use language it's just a nightmare you'd need a proper like corpus of that language you'd need to like understand colloquial usage and like internet usage uh, you, you fudge and, like, it somehow yeah i guess you'd sort of try and get it to learn by giving it a few examples doesn't sound like you want to make like, a game it sounds like you want to make positive and AI. So this is the thing it's an, it, like none of them are game things they're just little experiments or thought experiments or like i really want to do more with visualization of things uh-huh. because you know I, I want to be able to sort of show data more easily but the ideas that i've had tend to go in weird directions and involve unpicking oh the weird directions of language good. but i think that yeah i think they're using game maker to decode See, language this is, but then it's like oh so this thing that people would use for like three seconds and then go uh, um you know is it really worth it's the like, tools, hundreds really. of hours <laughs> small tools you could sell to psychologists i know a guy who i'm going to put you in touch with actually but the time has come to everybody, go to the rapture except Matt to go to the kitchen. <laughs> Matt has gone to the kitchen. <laughs> Goodbye. You set your timer for 10 minutes. No, it's over now. The podcast, as far as I'm concerned, is no, over. Right People then. at home, don't turn off your uh, podcastio device. Unless you, like me, have not played the game yet and want Wait, to play. Wait, no, because we can start off by doing spoiler free and we will warn you when we get into spoilers. Okay. Well, I don't want to hear anything, so I'm going to see you. Later. Bye. Bye. So, Thank you for listening to our podcast. <laughs> How would you describe everybody's gone to the rapture? Because it's kind it is a walking simulator, first and foremost. Walking around a nice English countryside. So we're gonna do the spoiler free. Yeah. And then we'll suddenly flip reverse it. I would describe it as an exploration game crossed with a radio play. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you are going. You wake up outside an <laughs> observatory in a tiny uh, sort of uh, English, very English countryside, unbelievably well researched by an English dev based out of Brighton. Um, and you're, everybody is missing, and you are able to listen to conversations that happened before they all went missing, similar to mm. uh, sort of the traditional Bioshock audio log. 
Um, except accompanied by sort of like paper dolls who roughly act where the actors are and you unpick things and we're gonna do our best to avoid spoilers for probably maybe one more minute and then we'll give you your warning to GTFO. Yeah, well in that case uh, with the spoiler free stuff did you want to talk about whether you think it creates a good sense of place or is that going to get into No, no, I think we can for sure say that. I think that's one of the game's biggest selling points. I think... um, Something I, I never quite got with Bioshock, while it's interesting to go into people's uh, flats, I actually got a sense of being a voyeur, entering things like pubs and houses and everyone's gone to the rapture because I knew I didn't belong there. I felt really, like, nosy in a very unhealthy, like, way. Uh, I do think I was really affected by the game in a lot of ways, though. I specifically was listening to the soundtrack again today, mm. uh, you know, re- away from the game and found myself actually with tears in my eyes because I just... I guess remembering what an emotional journey I'd had. Mm-hmm. I will say that I think the best thing about that game is the sound design and the composition, the, the soundtrack composition. And if you're at all into that stuff, then you should buy it just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Jessica Curry's works really. Did good. it? Did you find just emotionally it worked for you? Um, I oh, mm. if it's a no. Not particularly. I I found it very hard to attach to the game at all, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, Some of the stories were quite affecting that uh, cropped up through the course of it. But um, I... So with the sense of place, like, I could see that it was um, recreating very faithfully things that I remembered. Yeah, because you actually grew up in a a more rural area than I did. I I did, and even though it was... So I grew up in the southeast of England, whereas this is Shropshire, Mm. um, but it's... uh, Yeah, there were a lot of sort of similarities in terms of the landscape, and you'd sort of see very peculiarly English sort of signage or um there was a weird moment where i was in a in one of the public phone boxes and i realized that this was from the time before they had added the one to the area code oh really yeah seriously and so like there were lots of little moments like that and just sort of seeing it's interesting seeing that stuff faithfully recreated i feel like there's a there's a butt coming like it was that i could see the amount of work and i could see that it was these things that i recognized but i didn't ever feel the emotional pull of that or i didn't ever feel a personal sense of recognition or um attachment to that place that they'd created and i think that was a a bit of a problem for me because I, you know, I was walking around this thing going, that's technically excellent. Hmm. But there was, I, I struggled to find the heart in the place. Okay. And I think a lot of that was, well, not a lot of it, but I think part of it was that the houses that you do explore never felt lived in to me. Mm-hmm. They felt sort of too tidy. There were no toys lying around. If there had been children, there were no, you know, all that, there was one as a, a sort of a token, token or, <laughs> yeah you know like that child's one action worn or crinkled or i, I don't yeah it, it all felt very every house does kind of feel like the especially the pubs feel like the sterile interior of someone who obsessively like uh keeps the house clean okay in which case then let's sound the spoiler klaxon <laughs> and nice. that was bad and say <laughs> that if you don't want the end of if we've got the, uh, everyone's gone to the rapture spoiled Turn off the podcast now because we don't want to talk about anything else. You won't miss anything. And thank you very much for listening. Yeah, also coolghosts.net. Coolghosts.net. Boom. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything you want to plug before we lose 
How uh, I've already mentioned my Twitter, so I don't think there's it's a good really, Twitter though. There's, there's lots else. of good Photoshop. Yeah, well, it's if you want Ed Sheeran's chest tattoo that may or may not exist, it certainly exists on my Twitter. <laughs> so it's at Philippa War. For the rest of you, then <laughs> here we go. So I will quickly say that I d- didn't buy that for a game that was so emotionally resonant. Um, and I guess we can we should spoil this if you if you don't mind it being spoiled. Um, but haven't played the game. Um, what it turns out is essentially an extraterrestrial being of some kind of uh, indescribable and not at all familiar um, uh, construction has appeared and is basically eating people. It's basically, yeah, it's been picked up by the observatory and, uh, you know, it has it's infecting people and causing them to develop brain tumours and hemorrhage and, and yeah then they, but then they just suddenly vanish sort of they are well, starting with the, the kids i think or was it the, no starting with the old people yeah and so yeah and the, there's a sort of central couple i think who one of them is the uh lady kate uh she is the one who's up at the observatory doing a lot of work and um stephen is more attached to the village because it's where he grew up she's kind of the outsider from the states and he's yeah kate really very much come I, back home i, I it, it, did your read on the ending mean that you were playing kate I thought that I was because of how the game introduces you, but then I sort of, because at the end you see what happens to her from a third-person perspective, I kind of didn't think that you were at that point. I thought you were because that's the only time the camera pulls back. Oh, okay. Um, That's an interesting point. But, I mean... I think I was in a weird situation because I told you this earlier um, off podcast, but basically I got so frustrated with the moving around and how slow it was even when you implement the running that I wasn't physically playing it myself. I was sitting next to my partner who was playing it and I was enjoying the the story yeah and that's that's the way that i could engage with it if i'd been left on my own to play it i think i probably wouldn't have got all the way through that's crazy because for me that slow pace like i I guess this comes back to the sound working for me the visuals work for me the Mm. sound it all seemed stunning to me so i had absolutely no problem walking and i couldn't believe they introduced running the idea of like I mean, I guess it's... It, 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 running. Well, oh, is it just marginally... <laughs> it, yeah, a, really. a speedy waddle. Yeah, I mean... You gradually speed up and it's really not... I, I couldn't really even notice it at points. Oh, so. God. Well, I mean, it's... <laughs> I, I totally get why they were hesitant to put in just full pelting around. Sure. Because what that game has going for it is the atmosphere. And if you're saying... Like, what's the... I mean, at some point, what's the point? Like, if you're... It's an interesting question for a developer, though. It's like, if a player's not into this very slow, mournful journey... Do you want to give them the option to run through it? Because, like, that's not going to improve the game at all. Like, if they're not enjoying it, they'll just be moving through it, but faster. I think it's more that because, for me, I wasn't as taken with the atmosphere and I I, I wasn't finding I was engaged as much when I was walking around the houses. You know, there wasn't... Like, there was a Simon Says toy, I think, that, you know, just on top of a suitcase in a room. And you couldn't do anything with that and at that well, you, point you don't time has stopped and I'm not sure you exist well yeah yeah there is that but I think <laughs> but on a mechanical level at that point you have no way of interacting and because I still hadn't fully gelled with the game at that point and yeah. the stories hadn't quite hooked me yet I, I was kind of really struggling at that point and was just like I 
don't get a sense of what it is that's supposed to keep me going from the bits in between the stories because it clearly wants me to find all of these things and to experience I assumed it wanted me to experience as much of the story as I could. Well, but you don't, you know, you the don't bits have in to. Between the, atti- quite... the attitude I brought to it was kind of I drifted through an area and I just walked on when I wanted something new. I didn't feel the need to hit all the conversations. See, I, I did. I felt like I was you, planning so you were my sort of... route around the village just to sort of make sure that I'd been to all of the houses and you know experienced as much of it as I could because so... it felt like the more you found out, the more rewarding the story would be. But did you find that to be true? Um, I think so. I mean, you <laughs> See, know, because, what you're making it sound like to as me. As in, because I know that there were bits of the story, like subsequently through conversations with other people, I know that there were bits that I missed, even though I thought that we'd got all of them. Mm. And so... You know, that was an odd experience. And I, d- I don't think you have to get everything, but at the same time, I'm kind of wondering how much the developers actually wanted you to experience because I'm not sure how much of it I would have experienced if I'd been playing it. Uh, I found the ending interesting. The ending was the most, like, as soon as my girlfriend and I finished it, we just talked about it for, like, 15 minutes. Because we didn't like it. Um, we didn't mm. like the, um, the the techno battle that Kate speaks. Um, and, again, for everyone who hasn't played it, at the end of the game, you, you finish walking around the village and you basically discover that um, this scientist... Essentially, it's a scientist couple... And one of them is running around trying to contain the being and doing everything he can to essentially have the village bomb. He's also a dickhead. Uh, he's a prat, but then, like, <laughs> I don't know anyone in that story comes across hugely well. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Kate also instead tries to, like, communicate or coexist with the being. The priest being. seems like a decent No, guy. the priest is all right. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, and he has the best death scene as well, like, followed by the, co- the choir and walking slowly with the light effects. See, I didn't see some of the death scenes. That's what I'm talking about with missing I didn't, content. I didn't see all of them either, but yeah. again... You, but that's not... It's not... You don't... Yeah, I felt like the, the story was so abstracted. It's like... Like, you know, I don't I, think you need to, and I don't want to come across as sort of saying that that was, like, the the point of it or the point of the, the work that they were doing. Like, I would have been happy to experience just bits of it. It's more that I didn't get on with the presentation and that kept getting in the way of just sort of chilling out and letting the other stuff yeah, flow Yeah, okay, so me. it had fundamental difficulties that meant you couldn't... Essentially, like, because I was talking to, the, uh, to my partner about this afterwards... And he likened it to, you know, really enjoying the, you know, the idea of a thing, but sort of, you know, in a book, but then really stumbling when it came to the the writer's particular style. Yeah, sure, sure, that makes sense. The presentation of the uh, of the thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. So the, I should I should finish my what I was saying earlier. Oh, no, before about the ending. Um, you get to the end and essentially end up walking through a series of. Uh, uh, I guess courtyards which are run by Kate who's had endless time to coexist with this being because time has kind of stopped and then the um, the a load of beautiful arrays almost like a beautiful mind style like so far exaggerated science that it no longer makes any sense anymore which is kind of fitting for um, like equations chalked all over the road yeah the and then like and... 20 typewriters all typing the same like gobbledygook code and, uh, and all that stuff and then finally she seems to decide that she's done existing in no time for Whatever, however many eternities or minutes she's been there and then sort of commits herself to the void with everything else the implication being that the earth is also going to be absorbed by this thing which I thought was again wonderfully presented in visuals and sound and yet the writing was just 
so unnecessary. She was saying about, like, I think at, at some point she says about um, sort of finding your perfect partner, or, you know, like finding the the, the, per- the thing that completes you. And with, for her, it was this sort of thing that's manifesting itself in the code or in the in the yeah. radio waves and stuff like that. And it's, it, it's sort of like she is she becomes one with this monster or you know it's mm. sort of it's kind of like an apotheosis kind of thing um as a, a kind of an ending scene um and it's one of these things where like it yeah it really did feel like one of those 70s sci-fi kind of radio shows or like one of those peculiarly british end of the story. world yeah and so i actually i was kind of fine with that i i quite I, I liked a lot of it, and I liked the way it ended with just sort of d- d- desperation. Which, I, like, if it, if they want an English game, it's not just going to be modelled in post boxes and uh, you know really ugly couches. It's going to be modelled in a grunt, a sort of sad accepting of the apocalypse. Like, I found her bit more palatable, not more palatable, but his bit was kind of his bit was moving. Stephen's bit mm. that happens just before, but. It had that ham-fisted analogy beforehand, where he, or you know, the where he's sort of saying about his dad, and like there's a story about, a, you know, a tragic story about a fox. Oh yeah, and it's it's all highly symbolic, and at that point, it felt a bit like it was just so heavy-handed, and I kind of was just like, if this is the ending, like, just, <laughs> really, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't, but it's kind of. I think that was uh, part of the problem for me is or part of. The problem but um you know the writing could be quite uneven or quite yeah i agree i agree i think the last thing i'll say about it is that um you know you play something like journey and you come away from it and you go oh that was beautiful didn't they do a great job i think it's incredible and awesome to have something like everyone's gone to the rapture well this is more so for me because you actually Mm. had trouble with the implementation but for me the opportunity to play a game and go like what did that ending mean did we like it what did we think of these characters what did we find plausible like that represents games reaching for something so much higher than, like, uh, you know... I mean, I love Journey. It's unbelievable. It's mm. probably a better... It, it's almost certainly a better game than this. But I love that everyone's gone to the Rapture is reaching for something... Something even loftier and more difficult to attain. This kind of, like, abstracted storytelling. Like, characters that yeah. you don't like. And, and an ending that is fundamentally left up to you. I found that really interesting. And it, I think it's worth playing for that reason. I also really loved seeing Britishness represented. I mean, it might have been a version that I couldn't quite gel with for some reason, but it was very, it, it was refreshing to not see a US style house. Or, <laughs> you know, it genuinely was. Like, yeah. there are these weird, like, little stone kind of concretey things that you get that mark some official thing in roads in the UK. <laughs> like, and they've got, like, yellow uh, plastic on the front of them and some, like, numbers or letters or something. Yeah. And I, I don't know what they are. I've never known what they are. But they've <laughs> always just been, like, I've always been about, you know, 20 feet from one my entire life. And so it was really weird to see them in a game because a game is usually something that has... Americana, whereas I was so proud of this. This is Shropicana. Shropicana. Yeah, there you go. I was so proud of myself for that. Um, But yeah, so I I think that that's not to be underestimated just in a kind of... Just like a... Yeah, no, it's... Changing up the visual landscape of games and their vocabulary is Completely, yeah. Fantastic. And so... And with games like this, I, I don't... Yeah, I... So I didn't particularly get on with it, but I 
do think that it's you know worthwhile I'm really glad that other people have got a lot out of it I just I'd quite like to I would actually genuinely like to talk to uh, the Chinese room about how much they were hoping that people would see and like what they were hoping people would experience. What their kind of ideal path through the game would be? Basically, or like the paths that... I'd also just like to talk to other people about the paths that they took if they really enjoyed the game and the ones that they did if they really didn't. Like, is it something where you, you lose a certain amount if you if you actually try and go to all the houses and because then you become frustrated because you start seeing inconsistencies like some of the doors that are ajar don't open and some of them do and and it's that sort of like you you don't quite understand the language of the game sometimes and again this seems like a like a loftier uh, sort of design template to follow than other walking simulators or, or or again journey because those games are either in small self-contained spaces or they have one line through them, but this gives you more of an open world. It's arriving mm. in a field and knowing you can walk in any direction, but then also having all the difficulties to go along with it. Mm. I think it's really interesting, but uh, my God, we've been talking for a long time. And Do you know what I'd really love? Is I would really love all of the audio as sound files that I could just set to shuffle play. On, uh, on like an iPod what, or something. What, you mean like the bird noises? No, as in the actual story snippets. Oh, I wow. Because like, I would just love to just encounter them at odd moments during my own day, you know? Maybe this goes back to what I was saying earlier about what I want in like a second screen thing is maybe just every now and again it feeds me another bit of a story that's not necessarily in order, but I can just chew over it while I'm you know, doing subject, something else. I just saw uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, Five when it, when you get audio logs and yeah. uh, records from the game and stuff. You don't have to listen to them in the game. You can put you can get files and then in the official app and then yeah. listen to it when you walk to the shops or something. Yeah. Or just whenever you feel like chewing over a bit of story that doesn't make sense. Less relaxing. More stuff about war than, <laughs> than about um, you know birds uh, or mm. neighbors and gossip. But still, you know, we're getting there slowly. Yeah. Right, that, that seems like a good place to call it as any. Thanks so much for coming on, Pip. That's all right. And it's been fun. It has been good. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with still more video games chat. You can't stop us. We're unstoppable. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.